Welcome back to the baseball podcast. It's been a little while. I'm your host, Ethan Paczerski, joined on Zoom with my co-host, Tom Quirk. We're here to talk some baseball. It's been a little while. I hope you guys enjoyed our latest episode with Kenny of uh, MLB The Show, the podcast. It was a good time. We're going we're gonna to have him on again soon to talk about the new games. So look forward to that. But anyway, today we wanted to start off by talking about the World Baseball Classic. It's a favorite of mine. I know, Tom, you love it. And I know a lot of people around the world love it since baseball has been in and out of the Olympics lately. Um, I think so we got to be honest with ourselves. The World Baseball Classic really struggled to catch on until the last one. The last all one was fantastic. Sudden, all the players took it really seriously, including, thank God, the Americans. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it was like the greatest thing that ever happened. And yeah, the, la- the last one was incredible. The last one was incredible. And I would think it's going to be incredible you know like the next time too because i remember seeing a lot of stuff right before the pandemic when people were getting excited for the world baseball classic to start you know yep. when it was supposed to on time i remember, I think marcus stroman was out on twitter totally trying to recruit like all the guys back like hosmer and adam jones and everything and then he was reaching out to like trout and harper and stuff like that and it was like if you can get one of those guys you know what i mean like marcus stroman's already good but if you can start getting like Max Scherz or Jacob Degrom, you know what I mean? And yeah, I remember seeing have, something an absolute killer of a team. Yeah. <laughs> I remember a couple of years ago, like when the World Baseball Classic happened and everybody's all excited for it. I forget if it was Trout or Harper, but one of those superstar guys was like, Yeah, it'd be cool to be in on this. And I was like, nice. Wasn't that Harper? I, I think it was Harper, but but I remember somebody being like, Yeah, it would have been fun to be part of this. Harper and I was like, kind of like he plays it real not close to the vest on social media. Yeah, yeah. He thought the lockout wasn't going to happen. He was like tweeting at Japanese teams, being like, "Hey, make it happen." <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was funny, man. Yeah. So anyway, we're we're excited. The World Baseball Classic back. The qualifiers will. I are. would think. I would think the qualifiers will come uh, at some point later on this year. There's uh, the way it works is there was it was a 16 team pool the last four years that they did it and now they're uh expanding it to 20 teams assuming they're going to stick with the plan they had before the pandemic so they were going to expand it to 20 teams to so the 16 teams that were in it last time uh just got an automatic entry and then they're going to have a, a like basically playoffs like a play-in tournament for the, the four new teams and so uh, just off the top of my head there were some pretty cool countries involved like panama is going to be baseball culture new zealand i think was part of it and uh, who else france was managed by bruce bochi so that was pretty cool um and, and there were there were a couple of major leaguers like dotting different rosters i think like nicaragua might have been involved but i don't remember off the top of my head um but like there's some like mainstays south africa great britain the czech republic uh right. it is actually a bit uh, like an under the radar yeah. baseball country i feel like i'm a little surprised that uh panama is so low so okay so so here's the thing about panama and if you go on like reddit or something or like even like twitter you'll find this panama is probably the best baseball country that isn't in the world baseball classic because panama has like a pretty big baseball culture yeah and they've they've had to be really good like well they've had really good mlb players so like carlos lee was panamanian like carlos ruiz they've had a lot of guys like and like like even like ben oblivier who like back in the 80s and the 90s was really good he was panamanian but there's some good players and there's guys in the majors now i think johan camargo's from panama there's some other guys um, but, but of the countries that didn't make the world baseball classic, Panama is probably like the, the best one baseball wise. Um, okay. and they got beat out in their tournament, I think by Israel. And so people are really mad because they're going, 
uh, some people were, were going, Israel isn't actually Israelis. It's just a bunch of Americans playing for Israel. And that's lame. The Panama got shafted. There's a little like, bit to that where it's kind of like, ah. I think everyone agreed, at least at the time. I don't know if people still see it this way. But at the time, it was like a Cinderella story. It was an incredible run. They went from completely out of nowhere. I think they, I think they finished sixth in the tournament. And they were like a couple wins away from moving into like the semifinals. Like they did really, really well. And Israel's only going to get better because they're only going to have more high-profile Jewish guys. I remember seeing uh, on like a Jewish baseball thing that Kevin Pillar said that as soon as he doesn't have a major league job anymore, you know, like basically like once he's out of the major leagues, he's going to play for Israel. They've had Danny Valencia play for them. They have like Ryan Lamar. Israel has really good recruiting. Yeah, Israel has really – they have really good financing and really really good recruiting. I, I love Team Israel. I think it's super cool. They even had Sean Green play for them the first year they were in it, but he was like 40 years old. But anyway, I understand. I think no, Israel – like, like Panama, uh, Panama did this. sort of get shafted because it was a bunch of Panamanian nationals playing against a bunch of non-Israeli nationals. Like I understand that that's yeah. frustrating. It's not about citizenship. You know what I mean? Like the Olympics are about citizenship. So like yeah. Israel had to bring Israeli citizens. Like Ian Kinsler had to become an Israeli citizen to play. The World Baseball Classic isn't about that. The World Baseball Classic is just about growing the game of baseball. So if you want Israeli like fans, like fans in Israel to like it, you're not going to put a team of like Israeli-born players because there aren't a lot of good ones because they don't play baseball over there. You're going to get Ian Kinsler to suit up and play, and then people in Israel might go like, oh, wow, baseball is cool. You know what I mean? Like That's the point of it. Yeah. So it's like the, the rules sort of worked against Panama in that regard. But that's the rules. It's not set up to screw Panama. It's just the way it happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, it's kind of like everybody's playing under the same rules. So you know, right, right. And like fun. Panama still had a chance to win. You know what I mean? Like, and there are some really cool teams going back to the qualifiers. There are some really cool teams that you'll be able to see. Like Tim Tebow is going to play for the Philippines. Probably not now because he's been out of baseball for a couple of years. But like he was on the roster. But there are some other guys that are of like Filipino heritage that could play. Like Tim Winsicum uh, would be eligible to play. I don't know if he would. But he'd be eligible. But there's some other guys like Travis Darno's brother Chase, also a major leaguer, uh, is is, is uh, was on the roster for the Philippines. I don't know if he will. Like here's the thing: they they put out the rosters for the qualifiers, and there were some cool names like Trot Nixon was coaching for uh, the Czech Republic. Oh really? Who knew? You know what I mean? Like Bruce Bochy uh, was the manager of Team Bruce France, and they yeah, and they had like Alan Hansen. Why not? You know what I mean? Um, but that was two years ago, and a pandemic happened, and now it's two years later. So you know, who knows? I'm sure there'll be some turnover in the rosters, but the point is there'll be qualifiers. I'm assuming it'll be cool. And I hope some, yeah. some teams like South Africa or something that like, you don't hear a lot about. I hope they get in, you know, it'd be really yeah, we're cool. Gonna, we're going to do our best to cover it. Cause uh, frankly, until qualifiers are over, I don't think anybody else is going to be covering it. So. Right. Uh, right. But, but there is one story that's been getting a little bit of traction and that's Mike Piazza is going to manage Team Italy for the, the next iteration of the World Baseball Classic. And Mike Piazza is actively recruiting uh, Major League Baseball players. So uh, the names that he mentioned were Trey Mancini, Orioles slugger, very good. Joe right. Lucchese, who's on the Mets, who's a pitcher. He's, you know, he's decent. And again, MLB guys at the World Baseball Classic level are going to be way better than they are at the MLB level. Yeah. And, and then the biggest... that's already kind of like on the bubble in terms right of this is a team that's already good so if he can get if he can get luke casey that's a rock solid starter if he can get mancini that's like a three or four hole hitter and the biggest name in my opinion that he's he brought up was brandon nimmo who played for them in 2017 and brandon nimmo's kind of become a star with the mets so that would be really cool and they, they've also had other guys in the past like anthony rizzo played for uh italy i think in 2013 and they had guys like tommy lane and pat vendit venditti i don't know how you say it um, and just a bunch of other guys like Francisco Cervelli, Drew Butera. So like these guys are getting older. 
who knows what the roster is going to look like, but, but there are definitely Italian guys that are interested in it. You know what I mean? Right. And I, I know off the top of my head, I know that Mike Zanino's mother, I believe was an Olympian for team Italy. So that right. means that his mom's Italian. So he could play, you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of guys out there that could play. So yeah, I think like, it's really cool. Piazza is such a big draw. And right. like his name and like everybody knows who Mike Piazza is in the baseball world. Like, there's no way that doesn't matter you know that's oh, why like that's why these teams like team france is trying to get bruce bochi to manage you know like no no they did no they did get bruce bochi like well, he agreed I, to I mean, like, he was he was running their training yeah. camps. my point though is that like i don't think they would really put any effort into finding like managers right. that people know who they are if it wasn't right. like oh this guy's got connections people know well, who he is that's cool well, because and the cool thing, because yeah, I didn't even think about this. You're right. But one of the things I thought was really cool was, you know, they brought uh, Team France brought in Bruce Bochy. And just so everybody knows, he was born in France. I believe his father's in the military. So he was born over there on some base. And then he, you know, came back over and was raised in the U.S. Um, but anyway, that makes him, you know, eligible for France. And actually, under WBC rules, anybody can coach. So you don't have to be eligible to, for citizenship to coach. Right. Um, but anyway, that's that's his connection to France. But so Bruce Bochy agreed to to coach the French national team to be their manager. And right away, Alan Hansen uh, joined the team who, again, Alan Hansen wasn't great at the major league level, but in the World Baseball Classic, he's probably be pretty good. He, like, he's an ex-major yeah, leaguer. Like Czech players. Right, right, right. And so yeah. Alan Hansen played for Bruce Bochy with the Giants. I'm assuming that had something to do with it. Bruce Bochy's son, Brett, who also was a Giant and a major leaguer, agreed to play. I'm assuming that has something to do with it. And then he actually uh, like upgraded their coaching staff. I think he got Ron Wotus, who was his bench coach with the with the Giants, who was a former major leaguer, to come. And he got another guy, I think, named Steve Smith, but I might be wrong. But basically, he brought over like high-quality like MLB-caliber coaches to come coach their team. Also, another guy, Scott Alexander, um, on the on I think he's on the Dodgers, right? He was a former Royal. He's like a left-handed pitcher. His brother, Jay- his brother Jason was on the team because I think their mother – is French. So that means, so that means if they make the world baseball classic, Scott Alexander might play, that's a pretty good player. So I, I love all these little connections that you find in the world baseball classic of being like, wow, who knew that Ike Davis's mother was Jewish. So he can play, you know what I mean? Like who knew Francisco? Yeah. Well, I guess Francisco Cervelli does sound Italian. You know what I mean? Yeah, but like I mean, who that, knew that kind of thing? Yeah. Off the wall. Connection. Yeah. You're, yeah. You're right. You're right. But like who knew Bruce Chen, like Bruce Chen went and played for uh, for China when he was like 40 years old and he pitched in bowling shoes. That was hilarious. Yeah, yeah with the church shoes. Yeah, it was like the greatest thing in the world. I'm so excited for the World Baseball Classic. I'm so excited it's going to happen. So I just joined a, a new team for those of you who don't know since, you know, I, I figure most of our fans are probably following my amateur baseball career pretty closely. The team that I just joined has a former minor leaguer on it. He played from uh, 2017 to 2018 in the philly system he was in the dominican summer league now wait can you tell us his name or do you not want to dox him um i mean he's got a baseball reference page i don't think it's doxing but uh go ahead what's his name tell us alexis herrera irish kid huh yeah um he's venezuelan (laughs) so team venezuela if you need a relief pitcher i can attest to this guy's stuff because uh i was is he good Oh, he's good. Yeah, he's he's really good. Now, see, yeah. that really speaks to, like, the talent gap between – I was going to say Major League Baseball, but between, like, affiliated baseball and everybody else. Like, the Dominican Summer League is, like, below single A. Like, it's, like, like one of the lowest levels. League, right? Right. Yeah. It's, like, one of the lowest levels in the minor league system. Like, if you wash out of there, you had no chance. 
and a guy there is blowing people away. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, like, well, I'm assuming he sits he sits probably like in the 90s with his fastball, I would assume, right? Being a, he, even a couple of years out of affiliated yeah, ball. Mean, dude, he's, he's, I think he's like 22. So, you know, it's not like his arm's going to atrophy as soon as he comes out of the, the league, you know? Right. He's, right. Still throw, he's still probably throwing around 90. And dude, his curveball is, oh. This is just right off the table. Problem is, this guy does not speak English, and I do not speak Spanish. Do not speak Spanish. So we have a little bit of a language barrier going. But also, <laughs> his glove signals are like really subtle. Which, you know, can can you just like can you just like butcher the Spanish? Can you be like, uh, el pelota, uh, rapido? Like, throw me the fastball. Here. Like, I mean. I speak Spanish pretty well, and I don't think I would be able to. Like, it would be. T- I don't know how to say slider. You know what I mean? I don't know how he's to say got, change up. He's got a, a buddy on the team who's bilingual, and well, there uh, you go. He's like my translator. Like, <laughs> you he should, was like, oh, you should try to learn Spanish from him. At, you know, some of it. Yeah, you know, I was like, I'm going to be straight up with you, dude. I probably am going to have to learn a little Spanish because I'm going to be catching this guy a lot. Yeah, you should. Yeah, like the, the the translator guy. You should be like, like instead of being like, ask him this. You should go. How do I ask him? Right. Yeah. And the, then, the other thing is, just like he was like, don't worry. The first thing you're gonna learn is all the bad words. And I was like, yeah, no, yep. that's, yeah. that's well, they, I well. I mean, I can teach you those if you need me to. <laughs> no, I'd rather learn them organically. But yeah, this dude's Venezuelan, so Team Venezuela. You need a relief pitcher. I'm oh, gonna, I'm putting you're forward. stumping for him. You're stumping. Yeah. For him. Yeah. Okay. I'm arguably, I'm sick. Yeah. Would you say that this show is your bully pulpit? I would say that. Yeah. I would. Say, <laughs> I would say that this is. If this is not more influential than the presidency, it's at least equal. I would say it's on par. Yeah. I do think, at least in the baseball world, I think we have a little bit more clout than that. Really. Yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, you know, maybe a decade ago, a little bit more than that, George Bush, like he owned the Rangers, so he might have a speed. George Bush is a controversial man, but that first pitch that he threw out after 9-11. Strike. I would argue that's one of the greatest moments in American history. Not only that, that is the greatest first pitch of all time. That is the greatest first pitch. And and you know what it is? You've seen the 50-cent first pitch, right? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You've seen Curtis Jackson's first pitch, right? Yeah. Yeah, Horrific, dude. Brutal. Here's the thing, though. Like, it was just a random game. You know what I mean? Like, just whatever. Yeah. Like, George Bush had to contend. He was, A, the president of the United States. B, a new president of the United States. C, coming off an election controversy. And D, throwing the first pitch out if the nation came to a grounding halt because of the worst terrorist attack in national history. Yeah, in world history. And he's, dude, and he threw a strike. Like, love him or hate him, politics aside, you got to admire that about George Bush. That was was incredible. That was a, he, uh, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if he was like in the bullpen, like getting loose. Cause like <laughs> that, that probably got him, deliver, that, that alone probably got him elected again in 2004. <laughs> Dude, I watch that sometimes. And like, as, as controversial as George Bush can be, oh, it gives you chills. Yeah, there's no way to watch it and, go, and not go like, wow, th- that, that was awesome. You're proud of me. Dude, Lee, Lee Greenwood same plays thing, in the background. The same thing with that Mike Piazza home run that day, too. It's the same thing. And honestly, now see, this isn't of the same like magnitude because th- like this example is just for fun and not because of like 9-11. But that Adam Jones catch in the World Baseball Classic, oh. 
oh. might be the my favorite thing that ever happened in baseball. You know what I mean? Because it wasn't like the Phillies won. It was like I'm an American and America won. America won. You know what I mean? And that was a close game. What made it a little bit cooler, too, aside from, you know, America won, I was rooting for America. It was one of the best, like, over-the-wall home run robs I've ever seen. It was spectacular. It It was incredible, yeah. But, like, what I liked about it also was that Jones and Machado were on the same team. (laughs) <laughs> yeah exactly yeah uh, like- okay so so if i can circle back here to the world baseball classic oh. manny manny machado is a perfect example of what i love about the world baseball classic right okay. the dominican republic is kind of loaded so they don't need stars much as like other teams do because they have enough dominican born guys but manny yeah. machado's from miami like he's not he wasn't born in the dominican republic but I'm assuming his parents were Dominican. So that's how he gets on. I love I love that. You know what I mean? Because if Manny Machado plays for the U.S., it's just like, oh, great, he's awesome. But, like, you don't yeah. need Manny Machado. You replace him at third with – I don't remember who that – I think Brandon Crawford. No. Uh, it wasn't an Arenado? Yeah, Arenado plays it. Exactly. Like, Manny Machado's not even going to play over Nolan Arenado. Nolan Arenado's better. So, like, if you have Manny yeah. Machado, he's like a glorified bench player. You know what I mean? I love that he gets to go and play for the Dominican Republic. Same thing, and this happened the opposite way around. Israel had, or uh, the U.S. had, Ian Kinsler and Alex Bregman, and actually Paul Goldschmidt. Now I think about it too. That's three guys who could have. That's three guys who could have played for Israel, and they didn't. And and that's fine. And I understand if you're Alex Bregman or you're Ian Kinsler or whoever, and the U.S. calls you up, who's going to say no? You know, like I wouldn't say no. I would. Right, I wouldn't say. But also, like I would want to represent the U.S. I'm an American more than I am an Israeli. I get it. You know what I mean? But like, think about it though. Like, right. But but think about it though. Like, let's say this coming year, if, you know, Pete Alonso takes first base and Paul Goldschmidt doesn't doesn't have a job, Israel can reach out to Paul Goldschmidt and say, hey, I think Paul Goldschmidt's like Catholic himself. He's not a practicing Jew, but they can reach out and say, hey, like your grandparents or your parents or whoever are Jewish. Do you want to play for us? Like, I love that. You know what I mean? Doesn't that it doesn't have to, have to be like, oh, mom. Paul Goldschmidt is Jewish, but he like he's not an Israeli citizen, so he can't play. I love that. It's like, go ahead. Like I read I was I read a bunch of stuff about how they like put together team Israel. And one of the things that they said was that they had these interns literally going through minor league rosters. I mean, like that name sounds Jewish and they go on his Facebook and be like, Oh, he looks Jewish. And then they reach out. You know what I mean? Like they had a shortstop named yeah, Scotty. That's, that's also kind of how you put together team is <laughs> right. That's how I put together team. But, like they had a, they had a shortstop named Scotty Bertram, who was like, in, I think of like double oh. a with the Rockies. He was like nothing special. He was like a defensive whiz, you know, but I remember specifically their GM, said that they found Scotty Bergeron because they like they heard that name and they were like, I don't know, maybe you think it's Jewish. And they looked at him and they're like, he looks like he could be Jewish. And they looked on his Facebook and they're like, his mom looks Jewish. And so they reached out and apparently he was Jewish. Like, I love that you can put a roster together that way. You know what I mean? It's not just yeah, like, oh, you got to have citizenship. That. Like, I love that you can just mess around and do something. Like that. I think it's so cool. But I understand mm-hmm. it's not for everybody. Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah, the, the World Baseball Classic is back. Uh, that's a little bit kind of like you know, this podcast's like thing. So bread and butter gives us uh, a lot to talk about. But you know, th- there is more going on in the baseball world. I mean, for one thing, uh, Michael K. Ingram men's league is uh picking up. So uh, <laughs> is that where you play? Yeah, that's that's my new league. Yeah, so everybody buy your ticket. I'm assuming it's free to watch the games, right? <laughs> Why would it not be? <laughs> right, I was going to say buy your tickets, and then I realized you don't pay, have to. Who would pay to watch 
amateur <laughs> baseball. No, you know what I, I mean? What I want to see, okay, is I want to see some pitchers just pumping sixty-eight mile an hour fastballs. Yeah. Yeah, like, I don't know. I don't know. Your buddy, a fastball, and you can see the arc. <laughs> you see the arc yeah. on it, yeah. Although yeah, your buddy, awesome. your buddy Alexis, people might pay yeah. to see him. It, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Is he still affiliated? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, I, I guess not. If he's playing with you guys, anyway. Yeah, if he's yeah, pl- if he's playing true. with the likes of you, Tom. Yeah, I mean, you know, he can only be affiliated with one pro team at a time. That's a, good, that's a good point. He can only play second fiddle to somebody for so long. Now he's got to come play second fiddle. Um, anyway, anyway, let's let's dive yeah, we're into more of a, we're more of a battery, you know. But yeah, oh, so yeah, so, so, so let's dive let's dive into major baseball. A little bit less important news. Uh, the the lockout is over. The lockout, <laughs> Tom. The lockout has been lifted. They had to agree to get rid of the shift and then everything else just fell into place. It Dude, was perfect. I, let's get stuck on the shift for a second. You want to talk about it? <laughs> I thought of myself as like a free market, like laissez faire baseball fan where I was like, right. I don't know, man. Smith of baseball. Right. I was the, yeah, I was the invisible hand of baseball where I was <laughs> like, yeah, where I was like, listen, the shift is a good strategy. Right. And, and, and it, is. it is. But I was like, I was like, the shift is. is a good strategy and you should put it there. And, and you know what? If, if, if teams want to combat it, they should get players that can hit the ball over the field and they should start laying down bunches, be the shift and they should, they should punish them for using the shift. And in a vacuum, I like, I do subscribe to that mindset of like, they're giving you half the field. You can use it. However, yeah. I have come around to the idea that when guys are throwing a hundred and they have wipeout sliders, you're facing Jacob DeGrom and everything. Yeah. Don't forget, butters. butters are like the biggest thing. That you're right. You're, you're, you're right. You're right. You're right. But like when you're facing that level of competition, you can't just do it. You know what I mean? Like you can't, yeah, like that... you can't, you can't just change everything about yourself. And I understand it's a great idea. And I really am of the opinion of the shift is a great strategy and why shouldn't you use it? And for a while I went, well, it'll just correct itself. Eventually teams will start, um, like through player development, teaching their players how to beat the shift and eventually fade away. And I guess that probably is true to some degree, like that could happen, but it's making the game suck. And what turned my, what turned my opinion on it was I realized after, I think was it 1968, it was the year of the pitcher with Bob Gibson and like the one ERA, that kind of thing. After that, they lowered the pitchers now, right. Just to make it more fair. And when I, when I realized that, cause like, that's not something you think about a lot. And when that popped into my head and I realized that that happened, I went, Oh, well then go ahead. Yeah. Because well, I kind of was getting into that old man mindset of being a traditionalist. I mean, like you can't change the game. And then when I realized, Oh, wait a minute, they totally changed the game before to, to like have more they, offense. They go do ahead. This all the time. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. No problem. Like, and so that's like, why if I can get stuck on another issue really fast and we'll go back to the shift, people complain about them messing with the balls. And I understand why it's annoying because I just did like the rock thing with my eyebrows by accident. I don't know why, yeah. but it threw me, it threw me off seeing myself. You the smell what the rock <laughs> is anyway, <laughs> I understand why people complain about the balls because it's really frustrating to, to go year to year, a million home runs. And then it's dead. Like it's, it's weird, but I don't understand the people who complain and say, well, they're just boosting the ball. So you have more offense. Go ahead, dude. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I well, like home runs. Uh, yeah, what's wrong with that? Like yeah. What's wrong with that? Teams bring the fences in all the time. Go ahead. I don't or, mind. In the case of the Orioles, they randomly just push them back like fifty feet. Oh well, you know why they did that? Because because they have John because John Means is their only good pitcher, and he, he's a fly ball pitcher and he's a lefty. 
So they want righties. Why are they acting like that's going to make a difference? Well, it's not. I'm I'm telling you. I'm just telling you why they're doing it. They're they're shooting themselves in the foot with this. You know why? Because Because then John Haynes is going to be good and he's going to get a big contract from somebody else. And then they're (laughs) well. In fairness to the Orioles, though, if John Means is significantly better because of this, then I guess they could get a better prospect haul when they. But they're in the they're in the most loaded division in the in the league. I'm assuming they're playing the long game, maybe. I don't know. Dude, I don't know. I'm not an Orioles, nor do I, I care. I think – I'm just saying, I think they shot themselves in the foot with that because Means is going to leave. Mancini's <laughs> got to hit it further now. Mancini's got to hit it further now. And they made an offer to Carlos Correa. He would have had to hit it further. Yeah. I, don't, also, I don't know. I'm just uh, telling you what happened. Adley Rushman, is, is he a lefty or a righty? I want to say I he's, he's, a, he's a switch hitter. Is he? Well, no, yeah, that's going to so. I know they make his bats, but I, I forget which hand he hit with. But the important thing know. here is they want that guy to be good. Yeah. You know. Anyway, anyway, getting off the Orioles, the, the point oh, is I wanted to give my opinion on the shift. So I was pro get rid of the shift from square one. As soon as it became clear that the shift was just super good and there wasn't like a great way to fight it. Did you say that's overpowered? Yeah, it was a balanced patch in basically. <laughs> yeah, it's overpowered. Yeah, like um, I think what when I started to see how good it was was during the twilight of Ryan Howard because oh. they, they didn't really shift at the beginning of Ryan Howard's career. And like, yeah, Ryan Correct. Howard's average dropped before they started shifting all the time. He had an Ach- yeah, he had an Achilles injury and he was getting a little older. Well, but like when they started shifting on him, all of a sudden he just was terrible. Yeah. He was useless. He, he, like, he was, yeah, he was unplayable. Like he yeah. went from like he went from like perennial MVP candidate to like all star caliber to unplayable. Yeah. Like there was no like oh still it still hit some dinger. He had like a Chris Davis decline. Yeah, and the the problem is that it wasn't like yeah he was doing a lot of striking out. You know it, it wasn't all the shift, but the shift killed a lot of hits for him. Where like there is nothing worse in my opinion than watching a lefty smoke a ball and you're like that one's getting through and it's caught on one hop by the yeah, yeah. and and here's the thing though some like 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 that's the way baseball works sometimes you hit a rocket and it gets caught right the guy just doesn't even have to move okay i can live with that right i can live with that the problem is with the shift when like david ortiz right would get up there he's retired but you get my point when david ortiz would get up there and just hit a missile like 115 off the bat into short right field, I think it's caught. And it's like, that's not a position. Like, if you want to do that, make your right fielder play there. And that's a bad idea. You know what I mean? Like, no, it's, it's, it sucks that David Ortiz just doesn't get to hit anymore. You know what I mean? It's It was very it, frustrating. It kind of naturally disadvantages lefties, which I don't think this is unfair necessarily. This is just the way, the, it, is. The way it works. But because the first baseman has to stay at first base and the third baseman doesn't have to stay at third base, right? it's a, a lot harder to shift really effectively on righties, although they still do it. They still do, and it still is effective, but it's a yeah. little less effective. Because... Somebody hit like a, like a beam right up the middle, and you're like, that's a base hit, and the shortstop's standing right there. It's terrible. It's a lot of this is analytics. And I don't – like, we don't know how it's going to be implemented yet, like what the rules are. I mean, for all I know, they could, they could you know, draw little, like, five-by-five five squares on the dirt and say, you can't move out of here. That would be lame. 
what but I think I'm assuming so far, I don't know how prevalent this is, but what I've seen is that the, the when they want to do an overshift, but they're not allowed to anymore, the second baseman is or not the second baseman. Second baseman and the shortstop are standing like where they're allowed to stand. And then I think when the pitcher starts to throw, they just start sprinting to where they want to be. Major League Baseball might say you have to stay planted. You can't move after the pitch. Or they might go, hey, if you want to start sprinting and be out of position when you, you know what I mean? They go ahead. I don't know. Yeah, I, but I, I think, think, I that, think that, what that most sprint people. is like a happy medium. I think that's I, okay. I, I guess I guess what it comes down to is we'll have to see how it's implemented because it might turn out where they're like that looks like that's weird stop doing that or it might be like yeah go ahead spread who cares um, but I think what pe- most people are assuming they're going to do is just say two infielders have to be on either side of second base and I'm fine with that because you can still shift with that you can like you can put your shortstop basically at second base it just it takes away the nothing will ever get through to the right side of second base. Like yeah, that's like, brutal. Like you can still sh- shift to some degree and still play the percentages of which way they're likely to hit it. You just can't completely take out away. one side of the field. Right. So it's, I'm assuming that's what they'll do. But also if you assume major league baseball is going to make a smart, rational decision that the fans love, I think you're not making a good bet. <laughs> yeah, although in this, in this situation, I do. This, yeah, this one's hard to mess up. But, but, but here's my yeah. point, though. If anyone can mess this up, yeah. it's Major League Baseball. Yeah. It's, it's Major League Baseball. It's the owners and Rob Manfred is what it comes down to. And I want to say really fast, because Rob Manfred got a ton of heat during the oh, I know where lockout. Yeah. Rob Manfred is a stooge. I don't like Rob Manfred, right? I want to make this clear. I think he's a little bit of a clown. I'm sure he's a very smart person. He's got a Juris Doctorate, right? And he went to uh, like an Ivy League school. I'm fairly certain Rob Manfred's a very smart person. Rob Manfred is not a good commissioner of Major League Baseball. He's not a good steward of the game, right? As people like to say. I want, right. I want to point this out. Why would you say that to me? (laughs) I want to point this out. Rob Manfred's job is not to be a steward of the game. Rob Manfred's job is to do what the 30 owners tell him. That's fine. That's what he signed up for. That's why he deserves all the heat that he gets because that's his job to be the punching bag. However, when people get mad and okay. And stuff like the Astros, that's Rob Manfred's decision. So go ahead and have at it. But with the lockout, Rob Manfred doesn't get a vote. It's the 30 owners that vote and the players that vote. Rob Manfred is sitting on the sidelines. So when you get mad about a decision, they're locked out. Right. When you get mad about a decision that was made with the lockout or with collective bargaining or something, Rob Manfred's the face of it. That's what we signed up for. Go ahead and yell and scream at him. But I'm not telling people not to yell at Rob Manfred. Go ahead. I don't like Rob Manfred. All I'm saying is when you're yelling at Rob Manfred, also yell at the owners because the owners suck too. Yeah, yell at Rob Manfred for stuff that's Rob Manfred's fault. Right, right. Well, and also use him as the punching bag. That's his job. Go ahead. I don't care. Make the memes. Go that's ahead. It. I don't care. Yeah. Go ahead. I think people are a little unfair in one regard. That thing with him at the press conference where he laughed and people were like, unreal. Rob Manfred laughs as he cancels baseball. Uh, dude, I understand. I'm- like, that's a bad PR yes. move. And if you're Rob Manfred, you should probably know better. And you should probably be thinking, okay, this is a sad occasion. Under no circumstances should I crack a smile, right? That's just like basic PR. This However, is a bad occasion. Don't go. This is supposed to be a 
Happy occasion. Right, right. However, though, if you watch that press conference, which I have, I don't know if you have, Tom, Rob Manfred was talking with a reporter that he clearly knew, like off screen. The reporter made a joke. Rob Manfred made a joke back. He's not laughing about Disgusting. baseball. Disgusting. He's not. He's not laughing about canceling the season or something. It was a completely unrelated thing that just happened to be caught on camera during that thing. So that is one specific thing that I will stick up for Rob Manfred for. And the way I view it is there's enough things to hate Rob Manfred for anyway. Hate him for those. It's like when people make things up about Barack Obama or Donald Trump or Joe Biden or something. And I'm like, there's plenty of things to hate all politicians for anyway. You don't need to make make things up. You know what I mean? Right. Let's just, right. You you can hate the president for his policies. You don't need to make things up about his sex life. You know what I mean? Like, like you can hate Rob Manfred for all the things that he does wrong, for calling the trophy a piece of metal, for not punishing the Astros. You can hate him for his stupid PR moves. You can hate him for that Dan Lebitard interview about the, the Marlins, which was hilarious if you remember that. But like, you can hate him for all of those things. You can hate him for just being a general nuisance. But don't hate him for something that he didn't actually do. I like do. the idea of he's a general nuisance. <laughs> dude, he's the worst, dude. Manfred Rob Manfred. The concept of mosquitoes. Yo, are... You know what's funny? You know what's funny? Rob Manfred makes people want Bud Selig back. Bud Selig was also really bad. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to get in this, like, like measuring yeah. contest between Rob Manfred and Bud Selig. That's literally being like, Hey Tom, what poop sandwich do you want to eat today? Like, um, I'd rather just not eat that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want either of these commissioners. Let's go back to like, I don't know, who do people like? Bart Giamatti. You know what I mean? I don't know if people like yeah. him. I wasn't alive. It's like, hey, would you rather get set on fire by your mom or your dad? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Do you yeah, do you still beat your wife? Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. like Rob Manford's terrible. B- Bud Seelig, I want to shout out here. There's a YouTube channel called The Diamond. That guy's great. He makes a bunch of stuff about like Dan Ugla. Shout out. And his name is Dan Dan Ugla. Ugla. Wait. No, he just has one video. Go ahead, show the camera. Oh. Oh, look at it in all its glory. But 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 I got another one, by the way. It's a brave Dan Ugla card, but it's still a Dan Ugla card. So what? Who cares? That's still Dan Ogle. That's great. Anyway, that, yeah, that guy, uh, the Diamond, Diamond made uh, a video about Dan Ogle. Excellent. Highly recommend the Diamond. It's a great channel. But he did a video about how Bud Selig almost ruined baseball, like almost like completely ruined the sport. Uh, you should go watch it because Bud Selig sucks. And yeah, he's still alive, right? Oh. Bud Selig sucks. And Bud Selig totally sold out Major League Baseball. <laughs> to let steroids like get the game popular again and he didn't do anything about it okay that's fine right everybody understands right it was a different time and then when it and then when people stopped liking it again he just tried to pull the wool over everybody's, everybody's eyes and was like oh yeah yeah steroids are bad yeah yeah i don't know anything about this he's a fraud bud Selig sucks he's also a small market owner that became yeah. the commissioner of major league baseball and tried to crush the union i don't like bud Selig, okay i don't like rob manfred i don't like bud Selig. I don't like the office of the commissioner because it's just the crony of the owners. I'm going off here. I'm sorry. What else do you want to talk about, Tom? Yeah. Uh, well, we talked about the, the shift a little bit. We talked about Rob Manfred. We talked about the lockout. Should we just uh, mention the other rule changes really fast while we're at it? Yeah. You know what? Okay. Uh, the big one, I'm, uh, Universal DH. Universal DH, 
Thank God. I don't know how you feel. I'm assuming you're pro DH, Tom. I think most people are pro DH. I feel like it's time to get weirdly purist about the DH, but also like I like offense. So I understand the merits of the argument for no DH because I love watching pitchers hit homers too. And Mm -hmm. dude, the night that I saw Bartolo Colon hit a home run was one of the greatest moments of my life. However, it's a drag, dude. And, like, it is not worth it to watch a couple of pitcher home runs a year for just the abs. First of all, it's not fun to watch pitchers hit just in general, like the way baseball's played. But also, there's nothing worse as a baseball fan than when your seven and eight hole hitters get on base with two outs and you're like, oh, okay, we might be making something happen here, second and third. And then your pitcher, and then your pitcher, and it's just such a rally killer. Like, it's the the worst thing ever, dude. I'm pro DH. I'm happy there's a DH. Now, as a Phillies fan, I'm very pro. I'm very happy because otherwise the outfield would not work. Yeah, we're we're going to get to this. Let's save this. Let's finish out the other rules really fast. Okay, so universal. They they flipped. Yeah, no shift. They flip-flopped on the ghost runner thing, and I don't like that. that Because I'm assuming, I think they agreed to take it out, and they they also agreed to take out seven-inning doubleheaders. I didn't hate the seven inning double. I agree with it. I like nine inning double headers, but I actually didn't hate seven inning double headers as much as I thought I would. Like I remember, like like it would happen much in high school baseball. You know? Yeah, I don't love it. Like I don't like it, but like I thought it was going to like ruin it for me. Like this is a real baseball. I watched it. It's still a baseball game. It's a little shorter. Like I still want the nine inning game, but like it wasn't the travesty that I thought it was. Dude, the ghost runner is terrible. Like it it does, it does add excitement, but it's artificial excitement. You know what I mean? And I understand. Nobody had to do anything to get that runner on base. Nobody had to do anything. And I understand the thought process of going. I definitely understand it during the pandemic year. Right. I understand going, Hey, there wasn't much of an off season. Uh, A lot of guys didn't really get to, you know, work out and we want to keep players from getting hurt. Okay, fine. You know what I mean? Whatever. I, I get it. You want to shorten games. Right. Yeah, here's here's my problem they kept it in last year no excuse i hate it get rid of it everybody hates it get rid of yeah, it, it was terrible. and and when the collective bargaining agreement they went and people and people like they listen to people they're gonna get rid of the ghost runner rule thank god and the peasants rejoiced and right. then they waffled on it and they went well because of the lockout uh spring training's messed up and so we want to keep players from getting hurt. So we're going to institute the ghost runner. Okay. Before you say anything, Tom, I understand that in a vacuum. Okay. I understand that. Right. You don't want players getting hurt. So you don't want these marathon games. A, how many marathon games are there? How many games go past like the 13th inning anyway, but whatever. I understand. Here's my problem. The lockout an artificial construct it was a problem of their own design so now to fix the problem that they created the owners are responsible for locking the players out but everybody is responsible for the labor disagreement right i understand people are gonna pick sides but everyone involved took part and they all had a vote so okay everyone created this problem and now everyone agreed to bring back the ghost runner the ghost runner sucks you created this problem do not create another problem to fix your problem but anyway here's the other thing they expanded rosters for the first month. I don't know if you saw this. They expanded rosters until I think May 2nd, yeah. right? So it's going to be a 28-man roster. I love that. 
I think Major League Baseball roster should be bigger anyway. I love the idea of getting more guys time in the bigs. I like that. But anyway, they expanded rosters to, to, to you know, take the load off, to get a couple more pitchers there to get some fresh arms. I understand that. I'm perfectly cool with that. If yeah. you did that, why do you need to then end the marathon? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you just added a failsafe, and now you're adding a failsafe for your failsafe. It doesn't make any sense to me. Here's the thing, though. They, they expanded rosters through April, and they went, that should be enough time, then people get stretched out. Great. Yeah. Why is the extra inning rules all, all year then? Why doesn't that end in April? And that would be silly, too. I understand why they don't yeah, want to make – Right, that would be silly. But that that's my point. Do you see how this is silly then? You know what it I mean? Is. And it here's is. my other problem. I don't understand what's wrong with ties, Tom. You just add another column, right? So instead of being 81 and 81, you'd be 80 and 80 and 2, right? Like, you can just do it by winning percentage. It's fine. Like, football has ties and it works out. I understand what's so wrong with ties. And I feel like the only argument people have is because that's not how baseball is played. Wait, I don't agree with that. I like extra innings. I don't like. No, no, I like extra innings too. But But I'm saying like, what's wrong with being like, okay, if, if it doesn't like, if nobody scores past the 11th or the 12th, then it's a tie. Uh, This might be the, you know, the purest in me, but. uh, No, I want your opinion. You can disagree. I can't get on board with it. I, I feel like. Baseball is fine with extra innings until somebody wins. This is I like what extra innings. Does. Uh, well, no, hockey, no. Hockey shootouts. Hockey has shootouts, and shootouts suck. I think the way hockey works is they have a five-minute overtime in the regular season, mm-hmm. and then if nobody scores, they go to a shootout. And I understand why, because you can't have hockey players playing forever; they get hurt. Right. Um, yeah. But they used to do ties, and I thought that was better. Um, but I guess because they have a point system, the way it works is an overtime win is still just a win to get two points, but an overtime loss, you get a point as opposed to a regular loss. You don't get any points. Uh, yeah. Not that it's a hockey podcast, but baseball, I guess, could do something like that if they wanted to in in my head, in is, my head um, canon. Um, but here's the thing, though. The NBA just keeps doing overtime, so there's no ties. Um, and football, they do uh, – Football does a five-minute overtime, and then they do ties. And it's the same thing as hockey, where you can't have these guys playing forever. They're going to bash their heads in. So you just – you have a tie. It works out fine. I think that baseball is. I don't think that baseball has an extra innings problem. I don't think it does either. And and I want to say, I'm fine with marathon games. I think marathon games are cool. Like I, maybe it's because I'm like I'm a night owl and I live on the East Coast, so it's three o'clock where in the morning where I am when it's only midnight in Los Angeles. But my point is, I like that every once in a while I can be up till three a.m and have a baseball game to watch still. And that's a very rare occurrence, but I really like turning on like a Diamondbacks Rockies game. And it's in the 18th. Like, I think it's fun. You know what I mean? I understand the players don't think it's fun, <laughs> but. It, you know, who's allowed to not think it's fun is like the catchers and the pitchers ever. Like when the first baseman's like, yo man, I'm beat. it's like, really dude. Really? <laughs> well, but I, th- I think the, from a player's point of view though, it's also like you're stuck at work. Ind- indefinitely you know what i mean yeah but when you make like tens of millions of dollars a year or even let's say just hundreds of thousands yeah i would say league minimum seven hundred. can work right? some overtime you know no i i agree i agree but i'm saying if you're the players union like you know you're gonna have a, a lot of your constituents saying get rid of these it's ridiculous the next rule the shohei otani rule which correct me if i'm wrong i don't know if you read about it the understanding i have of the shohei otani rule i don't know what they're calling it but that's what everybody's calling it isn't this uh isn't it the, under- the pitcher is if the pitcher hits he can become the dh no i think it i think it's i think it's the other way around 
Well, yes. Okay. So the way the DH works is if you want your pitcher to hit, you have to forfeit the DH. So on Otani's days, they didn't hit him because they wanted the angels. They wanted to keep the DH, right? So that if he pitches five innings and they take him out, they still have the DH. Otherwise Mm -hmm. they'd have to then have Rysel Iglesias or whoever is the pitcher hit. Does that make sense? An AL pitcher is the right. So they would have him DH on the days he wasn't pitching. But then, of course, you're missing the at bats of the days that he's pitching. So right. the the rule as it's that they just implemented, as I understand it, and I a plug, if oh, I have it wrong, if I have it wrong, email us at thebaseballpod at gmail dot com or tweet oh. at us at thebaseballpodcast two on Twitter. Anyway, the understanding that I have of the new rule is that if the pitcher is hitting he can remain in the game as the DH, right? So if you are Shohei Otani and you start the game, you which don't am, have to – Yeah, which you are. You you uh-huh. don't have to waive the DH. So so what happens is if Otani pitches five innings and then, he, and then they take him out, Otani stays in the lineup in the number three hole or wherever as the DH. Does that make sense? Yeah. So then if Otani blows a hamstring in the seventh inning and they have to take him out and they put in – Justin Upton. Then Justin Upton's the DH. Does that make sense? So they, they basically made the rule so that if you elect to, your DH can become a hybrid position between yeah. DH starting pitcher. And it's just the Shohei Otani rule. It's not going to apply to anyone else. And I well, want to say, I think it was... pitchers are going to be hitting anymore. So Exactly. You know. Nobody else's pitchers are going to be hitting. And I'm sure 50 years from now, there'll be a, another Shohei Otani kid. Like, sure, whatever. But, okay, the rule is for Shohei Otani, not for anybody else. Right. Yeah. And I'm maybe somebody will try. Maybe like Michael Lorenzen or somebody will hit. Who knows? Go ahead. I think that's cool. Why not? Somebody tweeted out and uh, was like, and was like, I like this rule, but I don't like that it unfairly benefits the Angels. Yeah. But Otani, on, well, Otani fairly benefits the Angels. Well, so, here's like, the thing. Probably. Yeah. That's exactly my point. First of all, it's a Major League Baseball rule. And you know why Major League Baseball is doing it? Because it benefits Major League Baseball. Because everyone wants to see Otani hit. The only people who don't want to see Otani hit are his opponents. The other thing is, too, it's not Major League Baseball saying, Shohei Otani can do this and nobody else. It's saying any team is now allowed to do this with their lineup. And the only team that's going to take advantage of it is Otani because they're the only one that have the personnel to do it. But yeah, the rule is applicable. Right. It's a personnel decision. They're the only ones that have the ability to do it. They don't have, like, no other team has a player that good. However, the rule is applicable to any team. So if tomorrow the Phillies signed some kid who could do that, then they can slot him in. You know what I mean? Like the rule's not unfair. It's just that there's only one person benefiting from it. It was arguably at minimum equally unfair to have it the other way around where there's only one person being punished. Right. Yeah, Otani's bats cut off at the knees because he pitches. Right, exactly, exactly. And this comes down to my point when I was talking about the Bob Gibson year and lowering the mound and now the shift. Major League Baseball is implementing a rule to make the game more exciting. Everyone loves Shohei Otani. Americans love Shohei Otani. Japanese fans love Shohei Otani. I'm sure Korean fans love Shohei Otani. He is a worldwide sensation. And and he's like 26, 27 years old. Like He's going to be around for a while. Major League Baseball wants to capitalize on that, as they should. So they yeah, are because Major League Baseball is a serious marketing problem. Right, right. So they are capitalizing on that by getting him as much face time as they can on the cameras. They should do that. It's the same thing with how 
if the Angels sneak into a playoff spot because there's an extra player, that means Mike Trout gets in the playoffs. That's good for Anotani. That's good for baseball. You know what I mean? Like these are good things. I'm okay. Should we talk about the expanded playoffs or is that a topic for another day? Yeah, let's do it another day because we wanted to get to uh, our we, – we wanted to do – I don't want to call it a series because that makes it sound like, you know, like we're impressive. Uh, <laughs> right. So we wanted to cover the off season, and because it was such like a bonkers off season, right? literally in like the last three weeks, uh, we were going to do it by division. Right. And uh, to, purely – because of our bias, we were going to start with our own team's division, the NL East. We're so, Phillies uh, fans. Yeah, we are. You know, and uh, we, yeah, uh, there is a lot to talk about for Phillies fans right There's now. There's a lot so. to talk about. Should we start with the reigning champions, Tom? Yeah, we're going to go in order of standings. So um, the Braves, they won the World Series last year. They made a flurry of moves last year. And a lot of those guys are not coming back. Like Solaire's not coming back. Uh, did they re-sign uh, Rosario? They re-signed Rosario. Adam Duvall is still under team control, I believe. And who was the other guy they got? Jock Peterson signed with the Giants, right? Yeah, so a, a lot of those guys are gone. They have replaced uh, some of them. But most importantly, this is the big story of the offseason, arguably in all of baseball in a lot of ways was uh, Freddie Freeman's contract was up. Correct. And uh, as it happened, in a move that left almost everybody unhappy, even people like us who do not like the Braves, uh, Freddie Freeman did not re-sign with the Braves. Uh, my understanding is that he considered whatever offers they were giving him basically like insulting. I think it was the Albert Pujols situation where they tried to lowball him because, hey, you want to go back to the Braves, right? Yeah, oh, it's a hometown discount. <laughs> right. Uh, I also want to point out, he already gave them a hometown discount. I mean, yeah, not exactly, one. but he already signed a team-friendly extension. That's why yeah. he's hitting free agency at, like, 30 years old. Yeah. Because he already signed one extension that, obviously, the Braves got their money worth out of. So, yeah. no one should be blaming – I guess Braves fan are going to be mad just because they want Freddie Freeman back. Yeah, I think but, like, no one it. should be blaming Freddie Freeman for getting the bag. You know what I mean? Yeah, they, they look at it, I think, like, you know, like he walked out of, like, greed. Which, like, yeah, he he wants to get paid. Like, so does everybody in Major League Baseball. Right, you're not – right, you're not – yeah, I'm not going to stay at Starbucks, which is where I work. If Dunkin' Donuts offers me double my salary, not that they would, but right. like if Dunkin' Donuts came and were like, hey, we'll, we'll, I don't get salary either. But if Dunkin' Donuts were like, hey, we'll double your pay, come do the same job, I'd be like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah you got it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't have any loyalty. Right. So, um, um, since Freddie Freeman was seeking money, um, he happened to find a suitor who has evidently unlimited <laughs> well, money, plenty of money. Yeah. yeah. Somebody who was like Scrooge McDuck in it. Uh, Oh he my gosh! The they're, dude, they're doing the backstroke through their money. Yeah, dude, I don't, I don't like the Dodgers. I never liked the Dodgers, but I like them less because now it's just anybody who's any good just goes to the Dodgers in the off season. And it's like, uh, and the Dodgers are the new Yankees, but it's fun. It's good for baseball to have, depending on what way you look at it, a villain or just like I don't really hate the Dodgers. I think they're just a fun team. Right. You know, they got uh, a lot of cool players. You know what was cool was. Um, we made bats for Chris Taylor, but we've been making bats for Chris Taylor for a long time. So that uh, I know the guy who hit or when Chris Taylor hit that big walk off in the, in the postseason this year. Yeah. 
Yeah, like, yeah, I know yeah. the guy who made that bat. I didn't make it, but uh, we yeah. were making Chris Taylor bats that night while that happened, so it was a little cool. That um, is cool. And this is going to happen more because I do pro bats now. At the time, I didn't. But uh, going back to the Braves. Uh, yeah, should we, should we jump in lieu, into their additions? Yeah, in lieu of Freddie Freeman, uh, they opted to make a big trade for former Oakland A's first baseman, Matt Olson. And which I do have uh, to say is George, about as good of an acquisition as they probably were going to get. As they could have got, yeah. And yeah. he's a Georgia native. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I did not know that. No. Yeah, he's like going back to his hometown, which is cool. That's also good for baseball. We yeah, Matt Olson. They gave up a haul. They gave up a couple of prospects. They gave up yeah. uh, Christian Pache, who was uh, like a defense first, kind of kind of glove first kind of guy with a lot of speed. Uh, we'll see what he could turn into. He's still young. I think he's 24, 25. Uh, the big get is a guy named Shea Langoliers, who's a catching prospect. Apparently, he's got like a, a huge arm and like light tower power. So, hey, if you're Oakland, like that seems like a pretty good. And they got a couple other prospects too that I don't know about. Um, but it seems like they got a pretty good package. I profile Olsen. as like Jorge Alfaro because I remember that was the sell with Jorge Alfaro and the power. It sounds to me. It sounds to me like he profiles as last year Mike Zanino. So, like, Mike Zanino was an all-star last year because Mike Zanino is, like, one of the best defenders in the league at catcher, and he hits, a, like, tanks. Yeah, and he hits a lot of homers. Right. I think that's this guy. I don't know if he's as extreme and not going to have a batting out. I don't know. I don't know enough about him. But right. the understanding I have is he has, like, 80-grade power and 80-grade arm. So, like, okay, that good. Why you not? know what? You've got – also, yeah. the fact that he's a catcher with 80-grade anything. I don't, I, I'm, I'm making up numbers. I don't know if it's actually 80-grade, but I know he has very good power. Like like big power. Big power, yeah. Right. Um, so who else? Uh, I think yeah. Zuna is returning, right? Uh, I'm I'm sure it's kind of up in the air because of his domestic violence situation, but Ozuna could return, and with DH now in the NL, that would be a nice spot to put him because he can't feel yeah. Um, they brought back Eddie Rosario. That's a nice get. I don't think they gave him a ton of money, uh, which is good for them. And Eddie Rosario was a playoff hero. And, you know, wow. he fills a hole in, uh, in Eddie in, Rosario, in so isn't he only like two years removed from having like a genuinely excellent season? Yeah, Eddie Rosario is a decent player. He, he was, he was, yeah. he didn't have the greatest of years, uh, last year or the year before. Um, but obviously he was incredible in the playoffs for them. And that's what matters to fans. So, you know, it was, it was a, it was a good, it was a good get. Um, the, the biggest one, Ronald Acuna is coming back from an ACL tear. He'll probably be back in May, it sounds. It started out late May. A couple of things came out and said, oh, he's on track to be early May. Who knows? He could suffer a setback. But Ronald Acuna, top five player in baseball, right? Yeah, Ronald Acuna is like the fact that the Braves won the World Series last year. and Without Ronald Acuna. For most of the season. Like the Braves, I believe, are still – the odds-on favorite if it's not the Dodgers, which it probably is at this point. It's got to be the Dodgers. It's got uh, at least in the NL East, the Braves are probably going to win the division. Like, yeah, the, the Braves are a good team, man. I mean, they lost a couple. Obviously, they lost Freeman. I think they lost Chris Martin, and they lost a couple of their outfielders. Um, but they'll still have well, Duvall in the Soroka outfield. Back too, by the way, from they're injury. getting Soroka back, and the last big guy that they got, Kenley Jansen, is going to be their closer. Yeah, I'm assuming and, uh, I'm assuming Will Smith is going to move into a setup role, and Kenley Jansen is going to be their closer. Kenley Jansen has taken a step back in recent years. He's sort of done the Aroldis Chapman thing, where he went from absolutely unhittable 
best relief pitcher in the game by far to a very good relief pitcher. Yeah. And that's still important. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Kenley Jansen doesn't get as much love as he should now because he's not Kenley Jansen anymore, but he's still a very good pitcher. So the Braves and, uh, look like importantly, uh, they also have a little bit of backup for him in that uh, they did sign Kirby Yates as well. They signed Kirby Yates. He's, he's, he's coming hurt. off an injury. I think he's coming off elbow surgery. So we'll see what Kirby Yates can do. He's going to start the year on the IL. They mm-hmm. still got Will Smith. Still got Luke Jackson. They got a good bullpen. Yeah. So the Braves, the Braves look like they're in great shape to defend their title. Frankly, uh, they kind of look right now like they're a team that doesn't have any major holes. Yeah, the Braves don't have a lot of holes. Um, they're going to be losing some guys in free agency soon, like Dansby Swanson, new free agent, that kind of thing. Um, but anyway, uh, d- this coming year, 2022, the Braves are going to be scary. Um, yeah. Let's move on to the Phillies, the second place our, Phillies. Our, our beloved Phillies, Tom. Right. And it's been a while since there was a Phillies offseason with anything to get excited about. I mean, when they when they got Harper. Harper was exciting. Zach Wheeler was exciting. Real Muto was exciting. There's been excitement for This is the first offseason where I feel confident that they can be a playoff team. I'm yeah, not placing they, a bet. legitimately improved. I'm not placing a bet. I'm not saying they're going to win the World Series, but I'm saying in my head, I'm sitting here going, the Phillies could win the World Series. And I couldn't say that before. You know what I mean? Yeah, and there was Tom, before. Tom, let's jump into why the Phillies can win the World Series, if I may. No. They no. sign. Wait, Sorry, really, quick, really quick. The can floor we, is yours. Can we start with why the Phillies were not a factor last year at the end of the day? The, what pitching. the Phillies struggled pitching, Tom, last Tom. year was everything, pretty much. Well, that's their, true. Their rotation was pretty <laughs> solid. <laughs> The rotation was pretty solid. Uh, Nola's pretty good. Wheeler was elite last year. And like Ranger Suarez. Yeah. Ranger Suarez had a really good year. Zach Eflin had a really good year. Yeah. Their their bullpen, trash. The worst bullpen in the league last year. They Tom, they blew 32 saves. Yeah, and they had I think it was a 706 ERA. Like gosh. They blew 32 saves. And that doesn't mean they lost 32 games because you can blow a save and still win, or you can blow multiple saves in the same game. But we know what that means, Tom. That means 32 times they brought a relief pitcher into a close game and went, bring it home. And yeah, it didn't and he happen. Went, nope. And as a Phillies fan who I can't say watches religiously because I work nights sometimes, but watches very often, it is rough, dude. It was a roller coaster with the Phillies bullpen. There were a couple bright spots. Connor Brogdon had a very good sophomore year, right? He's a flamethrower. Um, Sam Coonrod was very good, yeah. former Giant, I think. Uh, that's probably it. Jose Alvarado was up and down, but he's a good player, right? They have they have some stuff. Dude, the Phillies had no depth. So let's jump in. Yeah. Let's start our listeners off with well, the Phillies to... bullpen additions. Yeah. To start the offseason, they brought in former All-Star, former Brewers closer, Corey Kniebel. He's a good pitcher. He's got a fastball. He throws a knuckle curve, I think. It's got wicked break. That's his bread and butter. He was, injury, right? he was really good with the Brewers. Then he got hurt. The Dodgers took a flyer on him. He was good to end last year with the Dodgers. And now the Phillies gave him one year, $10 million. It's not the biggest uh, contract in the world, so if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But Corey Canable should be good. He was good last year with the Dodgers. He should be good with the Phillies. He ostensibly is their closer to begin right. the year. But uh, part it. of the reason they, why uh, this is a good addition is because they didn't stop there. Because, they didn't stop there. They uh, brought in a trio of former All-Stars. They brought in Kniebel. Uh, who else did they bring in, Tom? 
they brought in a uh, former Met, Juris Familia, who uh, has been a very consistently good pitcher, right? He had I'm a little bit sure. of a rocky year last year, but he's been right. very good for this five is the plus kind years. Of, this is the kind of guy that you, you want to sign. This is the kind of guy you want to sign. And they got him for cheap. They got him for one year, six million. So again, if it doesn't work out, no, no harm done. I am of the opinion as as a GM, obviously, uh, that when you spend big on relief pitching, you're kind of just setting yourself up for failure because as far as I can tell, like 80% of the relief pitching in the league, it just rolls the dice every year. And like some of them are awesome out of nowhere. Some of them are just terrible out of nowhere. So like, Unless you're getting one of the right. top like, 10 guys, which is always good, then you got to try to like maximize the potential of getting that good die roll without spending a lot of money on it. Like you look at <laughs> right. the Phillies when they signed Papelbon for like a lot of money at the time. It was like 13. So he was effective with the Phillies. He was, but it was kind of like, eh, was this a good use of our money? Like, right, 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 right. So that's so, okay. So the, the so the boy, which they did. So the Phillies signed Knievel. There, he, there's a mm-hmm. reasonable chance that he will be very good. It's Philly signed Familia, all, another reasonable chance that he will be very good. And they signed another former all-star, a southpaw. Right. I think he was with the Mets last year and the Blue Jays, but everybody knows him from the Padres and the Indians, now Guardians. Brad Hand, right? right? I remember Brad Hand of the Florida Marlins with the pinstripe uniform, but that, that's another topic. But anyway, Brad as a failed starter. What era Marlins one? <laughs> yeah, the Dan Ugla era Marlins. He was a failed starter. But Brad Hand has been very effective in the past. Fastball slider. He's an elite reliever for a couple. He years. was an elite reliever for a long time. He was traded for Francisco Mejia when Francisco Mejia was like the hottest prospect in the baseball world. Look right. how that turned out. Um, but anyway, Brad Hand has had some very good seasons. Again, he wasn't great last year, but he's got a sol- rock solid track record before that. Um, and like. Yuri's Familia, he signed for one year, six million. So, you know, not really much of a risk. And here's my thinking. You're not putting all your eggs in one basket, right? All three of those guys by themselves, you're going, all right, you're rolling the dice a little bit. They've had injuries. They've had an effectiveness. You know, they, they could really be really good, but they could, they could be, you know, bad. But if you sign all three of them, not all three of them are going to suck. You know what I mean? And if they do, it's kind of like. I mean, if they do, fine. Trying. It's $22 million no. down the drain. And it, they're all one-year deals, so it's no problem. But and I feel very. I feel very already confident. sucked without them. The bullpen so already sucked without them. First, it's a lateral move. Not all three of them will suck. Maybe two of them will suck. Maybe one will be okay. But one of them is gonna be good. I don't Actually, know who it's gonna be. My prediction is that two of them are gonna stick. That's a bold prediction. We'll see how it plays I, out. But like they're also, and this would be great for the Phillies. There is a possibility that all three of them are good, and then you have Brogdon, and then you have who's the other guy that was good. Uh, Sam Coonrod, and then maybe Christopher Sanchez kind of comes into his own as a lefty. Maybe Bailey Falter does something. There's a guy named uh, James John MacArthur uh, in the in the in the minors. Maybe he could be something. You know what I mean? Like 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 any bullpen, there's a path to success. But for the Phillies, the problem was they took the path the path to failure. So if you're yeah, Dave, if you're David Dabrowski, the most resistance, right? If you're Phillies president of baseball operations, David Dabrowski, and you're putting together a roster, you're not trying to sign. I mean, I would have loved to sign Kenley Jansen. I would have loved to trade for Craig Kimbrell, right? Great. But if you're they David Dabrowski, fill, you know, right? You're not going to put all your eggs in the Kenley Jansen basket. As nice as it would be to have him, because if Kenley Jansen is bad, you're you're sunk. Or if Kenley Jansen is good and the rest of your bullpen's bad, you're sunk. What he's trying to do is add depth, which the Phillies were sorely lacking. So, yeah. and they, good, good on they, good on 
They still are, but but he he added depth. So good on David Dabrowski. Yeah. They also added Nick Castellanos and Kyle Schwarber, two corner outfielders who aren't good fielders but can mash. Everybody knows the tale of them. Schwarber is a lefty swinger. He's probably going to hit leadoff because he gets on base a ton, and the Phillies don't have a leadoff hitter. Castellanos yeah, four thirty five on base. <laughs> right, he was bananas last year. Casianos is probably going to hit cleanup behind Harper, I would think. And he's a right-handed hitter, ton of power, excellent signing. Um, the kind of guy that you can count on anytime you need a long drive into left center. <laughs> yeah, to make it to, to make it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah These are some... signings, though, in, in large part because I feel like the Phillies have been pretending that they were an offense first team for several right. years. And like last year, I was just looking at the the team offense. The Phillies were like 13th in every single stat. Right. That's right. not an offense first team. Right, right. That's a, a, okay, man. your offense is, is very average and your pitching is bad. So right. it's well below it. Surprising the Phillies finished where they did. And I think a lot of that right. is to Bryce Harper's credit. The Mets lost Javier Baez to the Tigers. Mm-hmm. And they, they lost. lost Marcus Stroman to the Cubs. Okay, those are good players. The, who did the Bets bring in, Tom? Uh, well, uh, real quick, also, uh, Conforto's still a free agent, right? True. They lost Conforto. He's still a free agent. Who did they bring those, in? Those are not small losses. But but if we go over to the, the plus category. Yeah, the pros. That's uh, made several of the biggest signings this offseason. Uh, early in the offseason, they signed Starling Marte which uh, I was actually kind of hoping the Phillies would go after him because the Phillies needed outfielders. They, they've addressed that. They needed a uh, center fielder, but yeah. Yeah, so Marte gives you a center fielder. He's got a good bat. And um, yeah, I mean, honestly, all around, it's just it's a rock-solid addition for them. Uh, they have Arcana to add to their outfield. But most right. importantly, most importantly, to add to their already <laughs> arguably the best pitcher in baseball having rotation, uh, to slot in behind Jake DeGrom, they signed Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer, probably the greatest pitcher of our generation, maybe behind Clayton Kershaw. We can get into that another time. Yeah. Max uh, Scherzer, multiple mm-hmm. Cy Young Awards, strikeout titles, excellent Hall of Famer. And they brought him in to, yeah. to slot behind Jacob DeGrom, multiple mm-hmm. Cy Youngs, future Hall of Famer. Do you see the pattern here, Tom? And then, yeah. as if their rotation, well, their rotation was lacking in depth because after those two, it was yeah. like, Tyler McGill. So what do they do? They went out and they traded for Oakland A's ace, Chris Bassett. Good. As a Phillies fan, I'm thrilled. Yeah. uh, So the Mets really fizzled out last year. It it was pretty hard to watch if you're a Mets fan. The the Mets and the Phillies and the Braves were in a dogfight through like August. And then the Mets Uh just collapsed and they were giving the finger to their fans, right? Thumbs down or water. The Mets absolutely fell apart, and the Braves surged. Yeah, the so. Braves surged, yeah. But but the Mets brought in Chris Bassett. They also signed Adam Adovino, and another the radar sign that we were talking about, I didn't even remember this today. They signed Eduardo Escobar to play third base. That, that's a nice addition. Yeah. Eduardo he Escobar is good. Surprisingly good. Like, he's yeah. not a game that you think of, especially because third base is pretty loaded nowadays, but Eduardo oh. Escobar is a pretty good player. He's a rock-solid player. So, so basically the point of this is, not only did the Mets bring in a half a dozen or more good players, they brought in excellent players. You know what I mean? Like, they brought in Max Scherzer. They brought in oh, Starling Marte. Yeah. 
Right. They brought in excellent players. So the Mets are going to be a team to be reckoned with. They also are bringing back Peter Alonzo, bringing back Francisco Lindor. Obviously, they're bringing back Jacob deGrom, right? The Mets have something to work with. And the, the, whole, the old adage is you can't, like, build a team through free agency. So the Mets have got to have organizational depth, too. Who knows what's going to happen? But the Mets are significantly improved this year. And as a Phillies fan, I don't like it. <laughs> the, the Mets are sort of – I don't know how this happened, really, but the Mets have sort of slotted in as, like, the Phillies' main rival. And Right. Uh, well, because 2007. The, the, the Mets getting this good – this all of a sudden yeah is is a very uh unnerving development right right although i will say as a phillies fan i don't like this as a baseball fan i'm elated about this because a it's just cool and it's news and it's great but the other thing is the mets were owned by um what was the event with the the mccords no that was the dodgers the wilpons the mets the mets were owned by the wilpons time ago whoa dude the mill the ponds were idiots right they just couldn't do anything yeah. right and they lost all their money to bernie madoff and they gave bobby Bonilla oh. like a million dollars oh. the rest of his life the ponds were a comedy of errors which i guess was also fun but then they sold yeah, the team and, to steve cohen so the team they put on the field <laughs> right right so it was the team they put on the field then they signed they signed then they sold the team to steve cohen gazillionaire hedge fund manager i know people didn't like steve cohen before this and he had some problems i don't i don't really know anything about steve cohen the point is he's he's worth like 13 billion dollars and he's a mets fan and he's spending his billions to make the mets good that's good for baseball in a world of bob nuttings and bob castellinis and john fishers who don't spend any money on the product in the field the mets are not just spending money keeping up the mets are setting a new standard for paying players that's exciting like are the Mets are pulling out all the stuff. Are they just matching the Dodgers standard? Uh, yeah, I, uh, maybe. Yeah, I guess you might be right. But 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 my point is, the more owners that we have on board who want to win more than they want to make money is good for yes. the game of baseball. Yes. Because I I guarantee you that in the collective bargaining agreements, and there were all these owners who were complaining and moaning about how players are making too much money and they didn't want to pay them and they didn't want to mess with arbitration. They didn't want to mess with free agents. They wanted an international draft and they didn't want to mess with, with free, you know, free agent draft pick compensation and all the slimy things that the owners did. Right. right. There's Bob Nuttings out there, right. Of the pirates. Bob yeah. Nuttings infamous. There's Bob Castellini's right. And there's Dick Monfort who's trying to get things over on the players and just screw them out of every cent that they can make. I guarantee you, Steve Cohen was going, let's just play baseball. I have plenty of money. You know what I mean? I don't know Steve Cohen personally, but that's the feeling that I get. And that's good for baseball. The league has been plagued for years now at this point with, like, the bottom – honestly, as long as the playoffs were really, uh, like, compressed, which they're less so now, but uh, tanking became a huge thing in sports. And there were a couple of teams that were just, like, all for it. They were like, yeah, Yeah. let's tank. Um Small market teams, aside from the Rays, love tanking, and they just seem to be doing it all the time now. Right. Uh, the Marlins are just perennially tanking, although we are going to get to them because they are greatly improved this year. But I think what it comes down to ultimately is teams trying to be good is good for the game. Teams, teams. trying to be bad to get good draft picks right. is not good for the game. The Marlins signed Avisael Garcia. Okay, great right fielder, great. And they signed Jorge Soler, World Series hero, for three years, thirty-six million. And he's got opt-outs after each year, so it could be a one-year deal, could be a two-year deal. 
Those are two good additions. Jorge Soler is a Cuban guy, so it's kind of like a homecoming because Miami. Great. That's awesome. They also traded for Joey Wendell. They traded for Jesus Lazardo last year, who is a big-time prospect. He, he could definitely turn into something. And they also traded to the Pirates for Jacob Stallings, who's a rock-solid defensive catcher. Like, I think he's a perennial gold glove like defensive catcher. Um, so the Marlins have improved. You're right. The Marlins have improved. I don't know if they've improved enough to keep up with the top three in the NL East. But we yeah. also counted them. We counted them out in 2020, and they, and they made the playoffs. So, you know, who, who knows? Here's the team that didn't improve. The Nationals signed Nelson Cruz <laughs> to hit behind Juan Soto. And I think the prevailing thought process is that the Nationals did not sign Nelson Cruz to improve because they're not going to be good. And that's fine. Everybody needs a year to reset. The Nationals aren't tanking. They're not selling off everything. They're just not good this year. The prevailing thought process is they signed him to trade him. They signed him to A, possibly trade him, because if he has a great year, then they could trade him and get a prospect. But B, to put behind Juan Soto so that everybody doesn't just walk Juan Soto's protection, but also to show Juan Soto because they want to extend him and he's rejecting their offers because they're probably lowballing him. But what they're saying, what they're trying to do is say, hey, we brought in a guy to hit behind you, one of the best, right? Nelson right. Cruz can't do anything but hit. That's great. Well, I like Hell. I like Hell. I think he's a Hall of Famer. But anyway, he, that's this point, he definitely is. Yeah, I mean, PED is a side. He's a Hall of Famer. But anyway, um, the, I I think what they're trying to do is show the national or show Juan Soto. Hey, we're having a, we're gonna have a bad year this year. We're not gonna be great. We're still gonna spend money on Nelson Cruz. Like we're still gonna try. So who knows what'll happen? The Nationals are probably gonna be bad. Juan Soto will be exciting. Yes, Juan Soto. Is he just the best pure hitter in the game at this point? Like, he probably he, is. I think Foolish Baseball or somebody talked about this. Juan Soto is our generation's Ted Williams. I Yeah, you know what? I, I did see this. I'm not sure how the stats will line up. I'm not sure if he will be as great amongst his peers as Ted Williams was amongst his peers. But Juan Soto is the incredible power – incredible eye, incredible con- – you know what I mean? Like he does everything well. Juan Soto is the Ted Williams of our generation. He's unparalleled. He's not tremendous in the field. He's not a great runner, but he is the best hitter in baseball. Hitter. He just smokes hitter. He's not better than Mike Trout. He's not better than Otani. He's not the best player in baseball, but he's the best hitter in baseball. And I want to give Juan Soto credit. First of all, Juan Soto is younger than I am, which makes me sad. I think he's 23. But Juan Soto, uh, A, has a million years ahead of him to put up a Hall of Fame caliber career. But also, when Juan Soto was in the minors, he was not a fast runner at all. He was like a 30-grade speed guy. And they were like, well, he can hit. And, you know, that's what he's going to do. Juan Soto has become like a 50-grade speed guy. He's not fast, but he's like not slow. You know what I mean? Which is great. Juan Soto improved his speed, Tom. Players don't do that. That's like – that's not easy to do at all. That's not easy to do. But also, doesn't that show you like the work ethic of Juan Soto and like the the drive and the ambition? I really like. Juan you know Soto. I mean, does. everybody, everybody really likes Juan Soto. But like, Juan Soto is the future of baseball. Fun fact about Juan Soto: he has a career on base percentage of four thirty two. Oh my ridiculous. gosh! That means he had seasons that were above that. Yeah. His, oh my god! His on base last year was four sixty five. 465 that's like getting up to like barry bonds territory yeah in this shortened season it was 490 <laughs> oh my gosh dude Juan Soto is unbelievable Juan Soto is unbelievable anyway how do he's we really, he's, 
He's a great guy to watch. Uh, the yeah, Nationals. The Nationals are going to be in the cellar. The yeah, Marlins are probably. Their roster. The only guys to watch are him, him and Cruz. Strasburg. Yeah, well, and Strasburg. Cruz. Him, uh, Strasburg, Cruz. Is still pretty good. But, uh, dude, you go through some of the other spots. Like, dude, Kurt Ruiz. Yeah, Cesar Josh Hernandez. Carter Hernandez and Michael Franco. We've been through that infield. We remember yeah. what that's like. Cesar Hernandez is he's Mark Tian. You know what I mean? He's just like whatever. Right? Yeah. Uh, um, Escobar is a good glove, right? But I'll see it. Escobar. I'm glad is still in baseball, but like now. Yeah. Anyway, uh, how do we? How do? Nice. Here's how I see this division playing out. The Nationals will be in the bottom. Yes. The Marlins will be in fourth, but be sort of scrappy. And the top three, who knows? I would like to think it's going to go Braves win the division, Phillies take a wild card, Mets maybe get another wild card or, or lose out. Um, so I'm saying maybe it's Braves one, Phillies two, Mets three. I'm hoping the Mets don't have enough depth behind their free agent signings. I don't think that's the case. I think the Mets are going to be really good. But that's what I'm hoping for as a Phillies My prediction is – on that note, my prediction is Braves, Mets, Phillies, then Marlins, Nationals. And the reason that I think it's going to be the Mets is because the Mets have better pitching. Their hitting is probably a little bit worse. Right, but, but comparable. What What is important to me as like a, a nice little tiebreaker is the Mets are probably going to have like solid defense. The Phillies defense is going to the be the Phillies terrible. defense is going to be atrocious, and that and is the thing. Depth. So that's the Schwarber the and Cassiano signings were very exciting. I'm very glad the Phillies did them. They add firepower that the Phillies needed. Here's the thing: the Phillies have a DH now, which is great. The Phillies have three players in their starting lineup that should be DHs. And they only have one DH, so they have Reese Hoskins. They probably have two more who like would might be a little bit better as a DH or like a first baseman. Well, but, but here's the thing: though. Reese Hoskins is bad in the field. Yeah, and they played him at first base because they didn't have a DH. And now, my thinking going into the offseason was, oh, well, they put Hoskins with the DH, and then they signed Schwarber, and I went, all right, well, you know, we'll figure something out. Yeah. And then they signed Castellanos, and so now I think it's going to be Hoskins at first. And then Harper and Wright and and Schwarber and Castellanos sort of switch off between the DH with probably Castellanos taking more of the DH role. Like I would think it's gonna be like a 70, 30, 80, 20 split. Yeah, because Schwarber, I think a is a little bit closer to like a, a tolerable defender. Yeah, Schwarber's like better in the field, but that's like being the best hitter on the Orioles. Like he's not good, but he's better than Castellanos, and those are the cards you're dealt, so that's how you put in. Right, yeah. A little more on the Phillies. They have no center fielder. They have a center field platoon of Odubel Herrera, who's hurt right. to start the year, Famous and Matt Veerling. And, and Matt Veerling, who it was a rookie last year, he showed well in less than 100 plate appearances, but didn't have much of a pedigree. I'm hoping that actually we were looking into Veerling before the before we started the podcast, and uh, I don't want to be hard on this guy. Because I, I don't dislike him or anything. I want but, him to uh, be. I want Matt Veerling to succeed. I'm sure you yeah, do too. But so Matt Veerling had a 420 BABIP last year, and he and hit 77 like, plate appearances. Yeah, he hit 333, I think, and he struck out in like 30 percent of his plate appearances. That dude's not going to be a good hitter with that sort of 
skill set. I don't need Matt Veerling to be Mike Trout. I need Matt Veerling to like not be horrible. I need Matt Veerling to like not cost the Phillies wins. And here's the big question with Matt Veerling. I don't know if Matt Veerling's a center fielder. I don't think Matt Veerling knows if Matt Veerling's a center fielder. The Phillies need a center fielder. They have Harper and Wright, and Joe Girardi said he's not going to play Harper in center because of injury concerns, I guess. Yeah, he and he shouldn't. Harper probably could handle it on a semi-regular basis, but they don't have another semi-regular center fielder. So they need Harper and Wright, and he's also got a cannon. So great. Keep him in right. Yeah. Schwarber and Castellanos. Easily the best hitter right. on the team, so don't get him right. hurt. Schwarber and Castellanos have to play left. Like, that, you don't want them playing the field, but if you're playing in the field, they have to play left field. You know yeah. what I mean? So your center fielders now is Herrera, who is decent in center field, but can't hit very much. But he can field to some degree. He saved Cole Hamill's no-hitter, if you remember that. But yeah. Herrera was their starting center fielder last year. didn't go too well. So the idea was you platoon him with Veerling, and hopefully Veerling can hold down center field on a semi-regular basis. I and think I Veerling think it really hit lefty as well last year. Right. Veerling's a right-handed hitter. Herrera's a left-handed hitter. So, so there is a path to center field not being a black hole. I think it's a treacherous path. Center field is a problem for the Phillies. It is. And there's not a red and there's no, there are no reinforcements in the horizon. The only possible options they have are to sign Brett Gardner or, 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 or Kevin Pillar. Like, okay. I mean, they're good. Kevin Pillar's a good fielder. Brett Gardner yeah. is 38. Those are both kind of, they're, they're, the they're, kind re, of they're, they're retreads. You know what it is? You know what they are? They're when an NFL coach gets fired and, and the NFL team releases a memo that says they're talking to Marty Schottenheimer and Lovey Smith and you know what I mean? You know how it's all the same NFL coaches yeah, every single know, coaching cycle? You know, who, you know who they are in baseball terms? They're Buck Showalter. They're Buck Showalter, yeah. yeah. I don't get the Buck Showalter love, but that's another I don't thing. either. Now, on the infield, uh, on the, the infield. First of all, the Phillies infield defense is not that much better than their outfield. Would you call the Phillies team defense reprehensible? It's disgusting. It's, <laughs> it's atrocious. It's kind of iron gloves all around. I mean, Harper's fielder harper's a solid fielder who knows what center field will be because i, I don't know maybe veerling's gonna end up being good who knows this left field's not gonna be good hoskins is not a good fielder at first yeah. segura is a good fielder at second gregorius i think has been up and down at short and alec bohm is a statue man yeah, there, there's alec, like, i feel like there's a, a pretty solid chance that gregorius loses the job too because i know they yeah, want to start yeah, if Bryson Stott takes the job, I don't know if Bryson Stott's a good fielder, but who knows? That's right. a bad defense. That's yeah, a really bad defense. So, the Phillies are a very flawed team in spite of how much better they've gotten. Their offense is going to be a wild ride. It's Their gonna offense is going to be loaded. Their defense can be terrible. And here's the thing. Their starting pitching is walking a, a, like a high wire, too, because as it stands now, they have Zach Wheeler, excellent like Cy Young caliber pitcher last year. Yeah. Aaron Nola, down year last year, Cy Young caliber pitcher every other year of his career. Ranger Suarez had like a five war last year, came out of nowhere, was excellent. Like lefty pitcher, young guy, should be really Even good. if he regresses a little bit. like Even if he regresses. Solid Ranger number. Suarez should be good. Zach Eflin is is coming off an injury. Who knows, we'll start the year. But he's a, a ground ball specialist. He's been very good. Yeah. Kyle Gibson's an innings eater. Kyle Gibson is a five starter and he acts like it. He throws, he has like a 95 ERA plus. That's fine. Yeah, that how starting many rotation aces in their five hole. Yeah. You know? Right. That starting rotation, that top five is good. Here's the thing they have no depth. Like Zach Eflin 
is questionable to start of the year. Mm-hmm. And their next option is Hans Kraus, who is like a semi well regarded prospect. Yo, after Hans Kraus, they got nothing. Man. Yo, and we got to be honest with ourselves here. Well regarded prospect does not right, mean right. much in the field. But what I'm saying, yeah, I, I don't know much about Hans Kraus. I don't know if he's going to be, but what I'm saying though is like there's a chance Hans Kraus might be good. Yeah. They have nothing after Hans Kraus. Like yeah. it's, they have nothing. This like the Phillies, true. the Phillies well, need. The Phillies need their starting rotation to stay healthy, and that's a bad bet to bet on pitchers getting healthy. And the bullpen we already discussed with their depth. I, I write for a, a website called RealityCircuit.com. Go check it out. My stuff's under Ethan Pajerski. I write for I write about baseball. Tom also has written a few articles under the name Tom Shade. They're great. You should go read them. He wrote one about about Corbin Burns walking someone last year and how to navigate this tragedy. It was hilarious. Anyway, I write for RealityCircuit.com. I wrote an article called "Today I Am Grateful for the Phillies." Yeah, an unusual article title for anybody who follows the Phillies. For anyone who knows about the Phillies, here's how the article basically reads: The Phillies made some offseason signings. I'm very excited for that. The Phillies still have holes. I'm less excited for that part. The right. Phillies could be a really good team this year. And the pessimist in me wants to go, they're the Phillies. The Phillies have sucked for well over a decade. If anybody can blow it, it's the Phillies. That's how my mind's wired to think, right? Because right. in the post Utley Howard most Philly fans. Right. In the wired. post in the post Howard Utley Rollins days, that's how you have to think. Because they've given you hope before, and then they've snatched it away. The Phillies have snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. But here's what my article is about. I basically gave an outline of how the Phillies have sucked over the past 15 years since they won the World Series. And why. And and why, right? Mm -hmm. And and then at the end, I kind of tried to wrap it all up by saying, the Phillies made some very interesting additions. The Phillies could be a really good team this year. The Phillies could not be a really good team this year. I'm not sure. I'm excited to see what happens. But here's my point. Major League Baseball is coming off the worst labor relations issue in 25, 30 years, right? Since the strike. 1994. Right. It was bad for the game. Nobody likes to see it. Nobody likes to see millionaires arguing with billionaires, whatever. The game's already... One thing... Right. That's been... We talked about that earlier in the episode. Yeah. One thing that we learned from the collective bargaining agreement is that not all teams there's Steve Cohen, right? There's the Dodgers. There are teams that will do anything to win, but Mm -hmm. there are, there is Bob Nutting of the pirates. There's John Fisher of the A's. Like there's Bob Castellini of the reds, right? There are teams that just do not care. Like there are teams that are, Oh, if we win great, but they want to make money and they want to stay in the revenue sharing pool and they want to not pay their players and they want to not sign guys to extensions and they want to not sign free agents and they want to bring up players who are young, who don't make any money so that they can pocket their profits. That's despicable, but that's the way it, that's the way it is. They're going to trade them. Right. That's the way it is. There are teams that are not interested in winning. There are teams that winning is a byproduct to making money. And that's sad. That's not the way baseball should be. Right. But that's the world that we live in. The Phillies are owned by John Middleton. I don't know a lot about John Middleton. He doesn't say a lot, which I'm learning is a good thing as an owner. (laughs) The Phillies are owned by John Middleton, and I'm sure a few other people. But the Phillies haven't spent above the the competitive balance tax in recent years. They've been like a million dollars below it. And for a while, I was getting depressed saying, right, they're towing the line like everybody else does. And for a while, I was going, ah, the Phillies aren't going to spend the money that they said they would when they signed Bryce Harper. And then they blew the doors off and they signed Schwarber and they signed Castellanos and they signed Kniebel and Hand and Familia. And the Phillies are not a perfect team. They didn't have an option to get a center fielder. You know what they had? They had Kyle Schwarber. 
they had Nick Castellanos. Yeah. And they didn't fit perfectly on the roster, but they signed him because they're going to help the team and they want to win. And that's what it showed. So another thing. John, go ahead. The Phillies made a legitimate run at Chris Bryant. The Phillies made a legitimate run at Chris Bryant, and the Rockies gave him bananas money to play for the Rockies. Yeah. Congratulations, Rockies fans. I like Chris Bryant. Bit- Have fun watching him. And congratulations, Chris Bryant, for backing up the Brinks truck, man. I don't get yeah. that signing from the Rockies. But anyway, yeah, the Phillies made a, a significant run at getting Chris Bryant. The Phillies are trying this offseason. And they brought in David Dombrowski, who's like a gunslinging, freewheeling, you know, kind of like shoot from the hip GM who will, you know what I mean, trade everything to win. And I don't love that approach, and I'm not sure if it's going to work. But the point is they're trying, right? They brought in a GM who tries, and they brought in players for a lot of money, and they signed Zach Wheeler for a lot of money, and they signed Bryce Harper for a lot of money, and they extended Real Muto, and they extended Nola, and they're here to win. I don't know if they're going to win, but they're here to win. And that's the important thing. The lockout made me depressed because a lot of teams didn't want to win, and that's not the way baseball should be played. The Phillies are not one of those teams, as I've learned. The Phillies want to win, and that's all that I can ask from them. I can't ask from them to be perfect, and I would love it if the Phillies made better personnel decisions, and I would love it if we could go back in time and take away some of the things that suck about the Phillies, but we can't do that. Yeah. All, like, the Phillies have the cars that they've they dealt. organizational issues to resolve. Right, the Phillies have organizational problems. None of this speaks to their effort level which is exactly the phillies most of the teams in the league right now right the phillies are playing the cars that they were dealt and they're playing them the best they can and that's all that i can ask for as a phillies fan and that's more than a lot of fans are getting and that that's the point of the article so go read it it's called today i'm grateful for the phillies and go read all my other stuff tom did a deep dive on hank aaron tom also wrote the excellent corbin burns article and tom and i wrote an article i wrote one about why fred mcgriff should be in the hall of fame Tom wrote one about why Fred McGriff shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. It's a really good uh, like case study. And obviously, I think I'm right and Tom thinks he's right. And the whole idea is we're laying out our opinions and you guys can judge. Thank right. you for listening to this episode of the Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Pachersky. That's my co-host, Tom Quirk. That's I hope me. you guys had a good time. Make sure to join us next time. Go check out our stuff on realitycircuit.com and stay tuned for the next episode.